Very well. Where do I begin? Now listen here, you mullet. It's showtime. Who's paying for my bus fare today? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. How do you write women so well? Bits and juicy. Come on, I mean youth and beauty, man. I mean, that's the ticket. Don't make me laugh. Ha, ha, ha. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. This is going straight to the pool. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. Yeah, we hope you stay here. Hello. Welcome to, it was then that I realised, the movie podcast. We are brand spanking new. My name is Mel and I'm joined by Jay. G'day, g'day, g'day. How are we all? <laughs> Great. This is exciting. Um, our first episode of this movie podcast. We're going to be going through a new movie um, every episode and also a bit of a flashback uh, mm-hmm. to a, an old favourite of our choosing. <laughs> Go back in time, back in time. Yeah, and we've, we've started off with a really good, strong first choice, I feel. It is easily one of the most talked about films, I would say, of the year, probably of next year too. Black Panther. What do you know about Wakanda? What is it about? Black Panther. Well, I believe it's the 18th entry into the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, also known as MCU, MCU. I realised. I didn't mm-hmm. realise that was the acronym for it, but go ahead, yes. Yes, so uh, <laughs> the newest film, as mm. I said, in the MCU, mm. uh, directed by Ryan Coogler. Uh, yeah, what's his deal? Uh, like, has he got some some good uh, props behind him? Well, yeah, as far as I remember, um, African-American, 31 years old, um, directed some fantastic films. Fruitvale Station was his debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the recent Creed film as well, too. Oh, yeah, I love and I think Based off that, um, Marvel and Disney, parent company on top, uh, decided that he was probably the best uh, person to take this story. Um, I think a very unique story um, in this uh, in this universe. Yeah, so it's all set around Wakanda, right? Like that's the main uh, setting. It's like it's sort of like this hidden uh, little world in somewhere in Africa. We don't really know where. That's kind of the beauty of it. It's it's a hidden gem. It's a third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits, all the front. Some super powery type, you know, invisibility cloak going on. Um, and yeah, they've got like this sort of perfect uh, African nation going on there. And the leader of it all is T'Challa, who's the king, right? Yes, that's um, right. And he's our main guy. He's kind of the hero character. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much picks off straight after Captain America Civil War. If you, if people recall from that he's uh sort of faced the conundrum now that he's now becoming the king since his father was killed yeah in the events in that movie yeah and he's dealing now with the weight of being the new black panther mm-hmm. it's sort of like um if you if you were to compare it to another comic i suppose like the phantom you know it's sort of like a it's a line of succession sort of thing so the next person becomes the you know the black panther sure. i suppose in the sure. sense and is responsible for you know, being the guardian of Wakanda, who is this very secret sort of society, mm-hmm. um, this very secret cu- country, it sort of keeps to itself. Not in a like a, a sort of North Korean sort of way. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not very belligerent and whatnot, but very, I suppose, keep themselves in a way to protect themselves. Yeah, it's like to protect the culture, to protect. Um, well, it all comes down to the B word, doesn't it? Vibranium yes. is the big uh, metal that they've also got. It's like super duper metal that can do seemingly everything. Mm. Um, can... Yeah, the metal that makes up Captain America's shield. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, the, so the, the backstory for Wakanda is the reason why it is so technologically advanced 
um, is that a meteorite landed there, you know, thousands of years ago, and the uh, the, the five tribes that's you know that were surrounded with yep. where the meteorite landed in Africa joined together, and then from there the Black Panther sort of t- took it over. It was born. It was born yep. exactly, yep. and then this nation of Wakanda sees itself, sees itself as you know protecting itself, you know, and yeah, trying not to get itself involved. With, yeah. with any other any other nations yeah. because it really, you know... It, it wants it feels... to keep it pure, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really yeah. is, right. I think so. And then they've got, you know, the perfect superhero in a panther. I mean, how badass is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty sexy. I mean, it all started in, like, the 60s, right, by Stan Lee, who started it all, obviously, the Marvel creator. And he, of course, has a, a cameo, as he does in every mm-hmm. Marvel film. Um, <laughs> an interesting note as well, too, is that the Black Pan- like Black Panther, the comic, actually precedes the Black Panther movement by only months. Yeah, so. it was very on point. Yeah. Very on point. Because everyone thought time. that, you know, a lot, initially it was like, you know, all oh, the Black Panther group was created, and therefore mm-hmm. they made Black Panther. It was actually mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. And for actually for a short time, um, Black Panther was renamed Black Leopard. Uh, oh, to, I try, like that. to try and try and avoid, you know, sort of those connotations at the time that were associated with the Black Panther movement, but yeah. then they realised, well, you know, yeah. it's actually a positive thing, you mm. know, evoke some sort of change, and you know, uh, and sort of revert it back to the Black Panther. And I think um, that's actually quite relevant because a lot of the themes in this film uh, sort of come back to the rights of um, of black people uh, and minorities. Well, yeah, absolutely right. And I think the big person who really steers that conversation surprisingly gets you thinking about probably more than our hero T'Challa is the apparent villain in this, uh, Killmonger, who is played by Michael B. Jordan, of course, from Creed, as you mentioned, obviously a favourite of Coogler. And, um, wow, he is a standout, isn't he? But not necessarily a standard villain. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all! What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. He has a definite depth to him, Mm. in a sense, you know. I mean, traditionally with comic book book hero of villains, should I say, they they seem to be just like, oh, you know, moustache twirling and very, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm never <laughs> going to take over the world because I can because yeah. I'm so powerful and blah, blah. Yeah. He definitely has a, <laughs> he definitely has a, re- he has definitely a lot of depth mm-hmm. and a lot of reasons for the reason to why he wants to rule. Yeah, so his, his whole backstory is like, obviously, listening to a movie podcast, there's going to be spoilers here, so just, you know, Spoiler, just or... embrace it. Yeah, his whole backstory is he, he's from Oakland, right? <laughs> uh, listening to, I guess, some NWA in like the prime time mm-hmm. of uh, just like that whole time in the 90s, right? That's where he is born from. And um, we find out he's actually got a very strong connection to Wakanda. Um, but he's been fueled this whole time by the death of his father, um, who was tragically killed by uh, T'Challa's father. Is mm. that that's that's, that's right? And then that, I think that's, that's the parallels you see, where mm. you have uh, T'Challa who's dealing with the death of his father, mm. and has like you know he's only been dealing with it for what like a week, couple, few weeks, yeah, really, pretty you know? fresh. Whereas you have Killmonger or Eric. Uh, who has been dealing with this for years? Yeah. You know, he's he's had built up. You know, he, he's he, mad. He's mad. You know, he's real mad. You, you think, you, and he's and he's and he's grown up. And the thing is that he the only the, the point of difference between him and T'Challa is that mm. he's grown up in that poverty, whereas T'Challa has always had 
the the hand of it being you know a little bit of prestige, a little bit of a yeah from a, a silver spoon. Even though he's never too you know pretentious about no, it, no, he, he's he's exactly. lived a quite blessed life in his Wakandan lifestyle. Whereas uh, you know back on the main streets of Oakland, <laughs> yeah. uh, Killmonger's seen some shit. Exactly, <laughs> and I think and, and the, I think the thing is with when you look at Wakanda, it's a very sort of despite it being a monarchy, it's actually a fairly egalitarian sort of society mm. and. The, the line of succession as well, too, is not just through blood. Mm. It's through a challenge, and that's, I think that's what oh, the, the challenge, the, yes. Yeah. And this is seen uh, you know, in the movie mm-hmm. um, a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, when his father dies, they go through the ceremony. Yeah, it's how they do the succession. That's, that's how right. they find so, out there's the guy, who, the kid is the next one up, but they can offer from other tribes for someone to challenge for the throne. And uh, that's where we meet some of the other tribes, which is pretty cool as mm-hmm. well. And, and it's such a physical scene, that one, too. They oh, get a little bit of UFC going on, a couple, mm-hmm. couple of arm bars I spotted. <laughs> yeah, about to be thrown off the rock and duck falls like yep. uh, Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty a bit there. <laughs> but um, the, the themes uh, that are brought up in this movie mm. are very so it's visceral and also and, and sort of promote this egalitarian sort of society where, you know, if we all join together and we do this the right way, mm. Um, it will help, you know, it, it can be done the right way. But the thing is that it's only centralised in Wakanda. It's yeah. not going to everywhere else. It, it's not being expanded around the world because obviously they don't have Wakanda's wealth, they don't have the, have the power or anything yeah. like that. And, and they then, know the greed of man as well, which exactly. is, uh, you know, when you get a little, you take it all. <laughs> exactly. And I think, and then, so this is where I think Black Panther... That's Panthers, what they're afraid of. Yeah, and I think this is where Black Panther sort of froze bone a bit where or the first sort of leaves the audience a bit where you have uh ulysses cloud the uh played by andy circus mm-hmm. they looked for it in south america but it was in africa the whole time yeah he's like the evil i guess south african his, I suppose his that Afri- that africans, africans vibe about him mm-hmm. and he's like the evil guy who's always menacing and stealing stuff and killing people and just mm. no care for human life at yeah. all. Just very greedy and in search of money and power and the ultimate weapon. That's right. And if you were going in blind in this movie, you would know, you would definitely think, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be the, the main villain for yeah. this film. Yeah, I was surprised when, uh, you know, he sort of didn't last the whole film. I was mm-hmm. very, very surprised by that. That's right. He seems to have... No, Andy Serkis hasn't had a good run uh, <laughs> recently, you know, since playing... Uh, Snoke in the uh, Star Wars films recently. Yeah. Spoiler alert as well, I haven't even seen that. That is another WTF Snoke. Okay, let's anyway, not go into no, that. We're not that go, is for another that episode, perhaps. But once you, yeah, the, the real villain emerges in, in Eric, in, in the Killmonger. And, but the thing is that his motivation and mm. his reasons mm. for, for being, I suppose, the antagonist in this film are a lot more. Uh, are a, a lot more genuine, I think. Mm. Um, he wants to use Wakanda's wealth and to help power. The greater, the greater world. The greater right? world. Yeah. But I think in a much more, it, 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 we're talking, this is a guy whose backstory is he's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Um, he notches up lots of kills. And he makes the scars on his body. Yeah, which is actually very similar to what Victor Saz does in DC Universe. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Let's not have no crossover here. No crossover Jay. here, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so he so he's definitely has a track record. He knows he can he'll take people out. Yeah, he he will he will he will knock someone down. Yeah, he'll, but he, it all comes back to the greater good. But I think he can still buy into the idea that he means well and he's coming from a good place, but he's coming from also a very traumatized place where he's 
you know, familial links are pretty much non-existent anymore. Mm-hmm. He hates his his link to T'Challa and everything because he's been betrayed, hasn't mm-hmm. he? And it's um it's quite a cool thing when, of course, he comes up face to face with T'Challa, and then you have this guy who is seemingly the villain but has some pretty good points. And you've got T'Challa, who is, you know, the hero, the Black Panther, mm-hmm. um, who's trying to make him understand there is a happy medium, a happy in between. And I think that's where they meet in the middle, ultimately. Um, a bit corny with the CIA agent bringing them all together, though. No, like, yeah, let's throw exactly. in the, the, the... Well, you're going very much Avengers Assemble here. Yeah. Oh, okay, this guy. Oh, I know this guy. We'll bring them all together. Yeah. Like, it yeah. is a bit. But I, I, I don't, I, you know, you think about it, it's a comic book film. It is okay, so at the it, end of the day. That's exactly right. Yeah, but and in, in saying that, we shouldn't be dismissive of it as well, too, because comic book films can still be quite strong in their message. And mm-hmm. I think Black Panther definitely has that message. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not a us versus them conflict. No. I think definitely the message it's trying to send is that there is still an internal conflict. Um, definitely in in black communities as well, too. Like yeah. you know, there's lots of different ways of how they rebuild and how they you know, engage and, and how they how, how they help themselves. Well, there's that scene, right, where you, you have um, you have those awesome female warriors who, by the way, we have not spoken about them, but they are have got to be the my favourite part of the whole oh, film badass. is just how awesome Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Denai Guerrero, um, just those women, the, the shaved heads, and they're strong. And mm. in, in those fight scenes, they actually look like they're fighting, okay? My biggest issue with Wonder Woman is that she never looks like she's fighting. She always looks like she's standing in front of a wind machine. She's in, like, boot heels. And I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. But these women sell it, and I love it. And every time you feel the danger, you feel the danger of each scene. But there is a scene in the movie where they're looking back and they're realising that Killmonger has sort of started an inter-tribal fight. And so, you know, Wakanda nations are fighting amongst each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And that becomes, you know, quite a moment where I think that's, you know, the light bulb goes up and you go, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's the message of, you know, we don't want futility of people finding each other because that gets you nowhere ultimately. It's better if you work together and then you find some sort of perfect middle ground. You can have the better outcomes for everybody involved. Um, and I think that's the really powerful message in it. They really try to uh, hit home too with... Uh, really strong female empowerment things, mm-hmm. which I love, especially, you know, International Women's Day just a couple of weeks after the film was released. Perfect timing. Yes. And they cast it brilliantly with those women. Um, how good was uh, T'Challa's sister, little yes. sister as well? Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, the, the sneakers joke killed me on that one. They She's like a uh, kind of like Q in um, in the James Bond. In, in James Bond, yes, right. I think so. The but sweet, really cool. Gadgets and tech. And That's right, but also she's a grounding figure as well too for T'Challa being her sister, being mm-hmm. a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, brings him back to back to Earth a lot. You know, realizing you know, he's not just a king as well too, but he he's also a fan. He has a family to look yeah. after. You know, you, and they're based in Wakanda. So if anything happens to Wakanda, is quite bad for him and his mom. Of course, Angela Bassett plays his mom, and yeah, he he really feels the threat of Killmonger who comes in. Shake stuff up. That's and right. It's, it's and actually, a you know, if watching hero. watching the cinematography literally turns things upside down <laughs> when he takes the crown. You know, when he walks into the crown, he goes like, "Hi, Auntie," and as was, was, he's walking towards the throne, yep. literally the camera turns around. Brilliant. 
and turns it on his head. So, Brilliant. I, I mean, a bit heavy-handed, I suppose, in that case, but no one's done that before, really, have they? Uh, you, you said it before. It is, at the end of the day, it's still a comic book film. Exactly. And you can take those kind of corny little... Uh, you know, tidbits and, and work them into the film because it's okay. You have mm. that license to do so mm. in a film like this. Um, what I loved, though, Jay, uh, when we saw the movie was you made a link to the fact that uh, CIA agent Martin Freeman and, of course, um, with uh, Andy Circus, Yes, um, being the only two white guys <laughs> yes. in the whole film and also being in the Lord of the Rings slash, you know, Hobbit sort of uh-huh. Arena. You got um, your, your token white guys. That's right. The, your, the token, token white, white guys. guys. <laughs> that's right. Oh boy. Right. Uh, look, you know, I don't know whether that was also some sort of ham-fisted, obvious uh, little joke that was thrown in, uh, but I wouldn't I'd put it past them. Purely coincidental. You reckon? Yeah, I think so. But uh, it's pretty, it's too good to be true, though. Surely. <laughs> it is. But I, th- I think the great thing is that going into this film, you don't, you don't go like oh, the majority of the cast is black, mm. you know. Yeah. I mean, it talks about these these issues regarding, you know, regarding black people and whatnot, but it's not, yeah, it, it, you, you just go fully into it and you, I think you, it, it does very well to, to set up the story yeah. and for you to be thrown into it and, and, and take, the, take the story to heart. Yeah, I think. and, I, and I, I really enjoyed it. I saw some people before I saw it, this is bad, isn't it? You'd never want it to influence how you watch a film. Some people say it's boring or, uh, you know, things like that. But I just didn't see that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I mean, there's also the ugly side of it, you know, especially in America. Some people are thinking it's somehow, like, offensive or something or, you know, just a bunch of racist people. Let's yeah, hello. But, uh, you know, it has a really powerful message, I think, ultimately a really positive message. And exciting. It, it does set itself up for a sequel, quite obviously. Mm-hmm. It's going places, yeah. and um, I mean, you got to think about this. Is, is this is part of, as I said, the MCU? So yeah. there's lots of things happening. You've got, you've got Infinity happened. War coming up this yeah. year, and so many other films and whatnot. But I think definitely Black Panther is a, a worthy mm. uh, entrant into the MCU, and I think it does it does it very well. What I want to talk about is the cinematography mm. of the film. Um, mm. Bit of a mixed bag, I think, actually. Right. What I loved was the colours that they used oh, and, the, the, and the, set, the, the production design and the yeah. set design, like the amount of research they went into taking in. I mean, you think Africa, like a lot of the stereotype of Africa being it's oh, just one one place, that's it. No, yeah. Africa's made up of lots of different... It's diversity is what makes, makes it so great. And yeah. you see this great influence in the research that they did to look at the the colours, the designs, of the, of the, of the, just the clothing mm-hmm. even, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, you really see it permeate throughout the film. And you just see it too in the, in the sort of uh, early parts of the film where they're having that fight... Uh, on the on the waterfall, and you see the other tribes. That is probably one of the most spectacular scenes, isn't it? You mm-hmm. got a colourful, different um, garb of every tribe, and mm-hmm. and you know some of it is a bit you know obvious or whatever. Like they're trying to show certain regions, but it's it's a it's actually a beautiful way to show it. I thought purple, of course, is the ongoing theme. It's mm-hmm. uh, had me thrown back to the Phantom, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I was going a little bit purple rain actually in Prince. <laughs> yeah. but- a little bit of that too, mm-hmm. um, you know, the black suit and everything. The suit looked 
really good. And that's part of the hardest part to make a good superhero is getting the suit right. That's right. right? And, it's, and making a superhero expressive when you can't see their face uh-huh. as well too yeah. is really tough. And um, it's a cat. So you got to make a cat, you know, kind of hardcore. And mm. that's not easy either. Early Batman films, Catwoman, she just looked like she was in an outfit to go to a burlesque or something. That's you know, right. you want it if you want it to look like you're going to beat people up and enforce the law. That's right. You know? there's, 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 <laughs> you there's, have form a certain... and, there's form and function, I yeah. think, which yeah. is de- they're definitely there. Um, but also, I think it, it, it's also a bit hard as well too because it can be a bit tricky. A lot. I think some of the fight scenes were done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think. Uh, with some of the lighting and the colour, it could have done a bit better as well because a lot of it was just very quick. You don't see a lot of blood, I think, for that reason. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on and cop out. What kind of forever? The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. The thing that, that's uh, quite exciting is um, how much the world has embraced it. I think that's the end of, end of the day, that's the big message. One billion, they reckon it's approaching in box office worldwide takings, which is huge, obviously. Yes, yeah, so you think about when Marvel was first acquired by Disney. Yeah. Um, like, I, well, I was in the, in the range of a few billion as well, thinking, oh, that's way too much for a Disney product. But what they've done with it, mm. or what they, what, they, what they did when they did buy it, Pinnace oh, money, really, is yeah, it? It's pocket money. Totally. Now, so it? now they're ready to go, I think, even bigger, which is great. And they've certainly set it up in the final scene in the UN for it to, you know, definitely go places where it's like, okay, maybe Wakanda is opening up to the world. What does that mean? Mm. And I'm quite excited to see what happens. That's what, right. what would you give this uh, movie, I guess, out of five? Um, Jay? I'm going to give this movie four and a half to Chullers out of five. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, uh, in honour of my favourite character, which has to be um, Okoye, I would say four spears out of five. Now, part two of the It's Then That I Realised movie podcast, every episode, we want to dig up a little gem, Jay. We want to, you know, just go into the the movie vault and uh, pull out an old favourite. And this time around, we've got Bugsy Malone. The sinner is candy-coated. He's a sinner, candy-coated. <laughs> One of the greatest soundtracks ever in my mind. Oh. Uh, you won't even know who's singing these songs, but, geez, they're catchy. Oh, they certainly are. Um, it's a musical. It's a musical. Um, I mean, you know, May 1976, oh, so we're going yeah. almost, what, 40, over 40 years now. It's old. It's old. You know by who the the cast now, they're all old. Mm-hmm. You talk about Jodie Foster. Oh, that uh, was right after Taxi Driver. Right after, yes, I know. Uh, what a contrast, uh, you know, between Taxi Driver and Bugsy Malone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Jodie Foster, you know, Academy Award winner, yep. Science of the Lambs, doing her directing. The one and only. The one and only. Scott Bayo. <laughs> you know, as some of you may know, no, he's him, come a long way. He has come quite a long way, but you may remember him as Chachi from Happy Days. Yes. Um, and then a whole range of other. Just a mix of child actors, nobodies. Nobodies to some have gone on varying degrees of success, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yes. Um, But Bugsy Malone was Alan Parker's first film. Now, Alan Parker, if you're not familiar uh, with him, uh, was 
the director of films such as uh, Fame, mm-hmm. uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, wow. uh, Mississippi Burning, The Commitments, Evita. So a very, very varied... Back catalogue. Back catalogue of, of movies. Um, but this was his first one that he did. He'd been writing and writing for films, doing short films and whatnot. I can't believe that this is his first feature film. It's such a bizarre one, too. I mean, just briefly, let's go through the story of it. It's basically set in the 1920s, 1930s, uh, I guess you'd say during the Prohibition era. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have speakeasies and all this great stuff. I think it's set in New York. Yeah, like it's yeah. in New York. It's but, set in New York but, and, and a bunch of kids playing yeah. the main characters. That's right. Uh, and Alan Parker being an English uh, director being you know, and, and writing this film as well too. Sort of, you know, a, a very sort of left-field sort of choice, you know. <laughs> very left-field. I think field. he was brought up a lot on those those gangster films from, you know, the 1930s mm-hmm. and 40s, mm-hmm. you know, talking to you know, Jimmy Cagney's and all that and whatnot. Um, but he... Wanted to, I think he wanted something that was, I think he, in his own words, he said it wasn't parochial. You know, he wanted something that was a bit light-hearted, but still threw back to those gangster days. Yeah. So I think he's, he's actually his eldest son said yeah. it should be kids. We should put kids in there as the as the lead role. Perfect. This is just like when I was a kid and I wrote a whole exposition about why kids should be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. That did not happen as yet, but I'm still holding out hope. Maybe Alan Parker can make it happen. <laughs> but um, he does it very well, doesn't he? Because yeah. it is an extremely fun film. Bugsy Malone is played by Scott Bayo. He's mm-hmm. the main guy. Mm-hmm. He's just this knockabout. Everybody loves him. Everybody knows him. Yeah, just does everything. You know, yeah, every, every, a little bit every, of odd job man. That's right. He'll do it, you know, if, if the money's in it. Yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's a kind-hearted sort of guy, you know. Yeah. Trying to make it through. Yeah, he's uh, just, just trying to get by. Yeah, and trying to get through New York. Yeah, Fat Sam is, I guess, his buddy and someone that he works for occasionally. Yeah, so he's a potential boss. You know, Stan's yeah. the keto, or Fat Sam as they call him. Yeah, um, he runs John, a speakeasy, of runs course. A speakeasy, played by John Cassisi, who uh, doesn't do any more acting anyway. <laughs> I think he did a television series straight after that, and then he went into construction work. And then, yeah. actually quite recently, he pleaded guilty to bribery. Uh, in oh gosh, construction, yes. So this has gone dark. <laughs> yes, it's gone very dark. Um, there, there. Well, yeah. As I said, there are varying de- degrees of success and failure between these child actors. Just quickly, can I tell you my favourite um, Cassisi story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there'd be a couple going by that rap sheet that you just listed. But uh, I love Alan Parker. He spoke to the Guardian um, about this a couple of years ago, and he said that we, when he was uh, when he was casting for this role, right, he went all over America. Uh, went to the UK, and um, he said basically almost 10,000 kids they apparently saw. But he ended up at a, at a school in Brooklyn, a Catholic school, no less. And um, oh, yeah, he, ended up, <laughs> he ended up asking everybody, who's the most badly behaved kids in class? And and everybody apparently pointed to <laughs> young Cassisi. Um, and apparently, you know, he said a couple of lines, said it, with the right amount of, you know, pizzazz to get through it, and that was it. He was he was going to be Fat Sam, and he is probably one of the guys that is the best actors. Like, he acts the best in this film, I would say. For a kid, hmm. he does mob gangster boss. Oh, guy, it's, it's right. Well. It's, it's, it's the best thing. It's like the, the best thing you can do to deal with a naughty kid is to give them power, <laughs> is to give them some sort of, you know, sort of role where they're running the show. Yeah. And they get a taste and they love it and they'll do anything for you. It's perfect. He really plays it well. The, the whole idea of it is that 
he's a bit of a gangster. He's running around town pieing people in the face the old-fashioned way with your hand and a pie and then smushing it in someone's face. Um, and then, you can tell he really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, who wouldn't? Mm. <laughs> and then a uh, new kid comes comes around, Dandy Dan. Dandy Dan. And he has got to be one of the most evil. You shouldn't have any trouble. Just the uh, fat Sam and a few dancehall girls. <laughs> okay. Good luck and off we go. Be careful, Dandy Dan. talks like this. That's he's got right. that old Surprising, yeah, even though his English is well too. Um, Martin Lev, I think, was the actor. Yeah. Um, and he, I think he does that so well. He does. He does yeah. it really well. I love their little suits as well. Like, they really get the character of each, each guy. It's basically like Boardwalk Empire, you know, what, 40 years ago now. Yeah, the Jew, yeah. And, it's and, great. Yeah, by juveniles. Yeah. Yeah. With cream pie guns instead of bullets. Oh, the splurge guns. Now, that growing up in this film, like, you always wanted the splurge Heck guns. Yeah, you always wanted the cars as well. Yeah, and the cars, again, yeah, pretty much so the, to run it down. Fat Sam runs a speakeasy. Mm -hmm. He's got, you know, Dandy Dan, you know, who, who's, you know, the other sort of mob boss. He, boss, he seems a bit more legitimate. A little bit smarter, perhaps. A little bit more switched on. Mm -hmm. Perhaps a bit more wealthy as well. That's definitely. why he wants to move in so on Fat Sam's ground. That's right. And he's definitely got the muscle to do it. And so Fat Sam's, you know, he's feeling the squeeze yeah. on this, definitely. So yeah, he eventually enlists Bugsy to help him out because yeah. he's getting pushed out. The, the setup of the movie is, you know, the splurge gun is coming as this new weapon, you know. <laughs> they can't deal with this sort of you know, hardware because all they've got is just regular pies. hand regular. in in hand and in face pies, type that's motion. Right. Exactly, and you can't, can't can't take a lot of kills with that. No, that's no. right. <laughs> Not a lot of pie kills. No, definitely can't. So, um, so in a sense, it's 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 a mob war. Your name Robinson. Roxy Robinson. You work with Fat Sam. Whatever game it was, everybody was playing. Sure as eggs is eggs. Roxy the Weasel had been scrambled. It's yeah. an arms race, almost in a sense. Yeah. Um, but it's done in such a, a cheeky and yeah, uh, and not a highly sophisticated way. I mean, there's the address for where to get the guns on the gun truck. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> it doesn't get more obvious than that. If you're going to want to hide where the pie guns are at, maybe don't have the address on the van. That's right. Um, but I love that. Isn't that? It's very cute. Um, there is there is of course a love story that that goes on in the background. Blousey Brown is. Is uh, Bugsy's love interest, played by Flory Duggar, who's done nothing, nothing else. Nothing else since. She no. was. She was. <laughs> she. She lived in England. She was American. Lived in England. Blousey. Blousey. I love how he says it in the film. Blousey. Okay. Come on, Blousey. Blousey. Um, she lived in England. Uh, was a you know uh, daughter of an Air Force mm -hmm. you know Air Force aircrewman. Uh, joined the Air Force straight afterwards herself. So oh, cle wow. clearly destined for that as well. She has some of the best. You know, best one-liners, I think. So, you know, don't oh, yeah. call us, we'll call you. Yeah. Um, you know, she's really, like, really sharp. Yeah. And um, another great female character, Tallulah. My name is Tallulah. I live till I die. I'll take what you give me and I won't ask why. I've made a lot of friends in some exotic places. I don't remember names, but I... Foster the is the pro Foster. in this in this uh, in this setup here, and she's the one who's Fat Sam's gal. She's a little bit of a love interest for Bugsy too. I, we, that never really gets quite 
resolved as to what their um, history is. But oh, that's that's the great thing. It doesn't have to be. You know, no, it's, it's, it's just the, this flirty. It's the show don't about. tell. You know, yes. method of story writing. That's what you want. Absolutely. So yeah, so they're stuck in this love triangle. You know, where <laughs> he likes Blousey, but there's a history of Tallulah. Tallulah's not making it easy. That she certainly isn't. <laughs> But you know she's not a you know she 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 gets what she wants normally. So, yeah. but yeah. she I think she's she definitely has a a heart of gold underneath that as well too. She's not a definitely yeah. And and it's quite quite admirable how she stands by Fat Sam in his hour of need as well. Um, what I love is the music, and as I said, very catchy. Took me a while when I was a kid watching to work out that it wasn't the kids singing. I was very surprised, especially by how low some of their voices could get. I won't take no for an answer I was born to be a dancer now Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow Yeah, quite, quite low register So I was more impressed even watching this as a kid but uh, we don't know much about uh, who did the singing for it. For well, we yeah, we know Paul Williams is the man who did the music behind he, it. He, he made wrote it, yeah. You may know him from, like, writing a lot of songs for The Carpenters, like We Only Just Begun, uh, Rainbow Connection, you know, Classic. Kermit, uh, you know, and The Muppets and whatnot. Yep. Um, and he, he recently doing work with Daft Punk as well too. And I believe he had a cameo as well in the in Baby Driver as, wow. as well. He was the uh, arms dealer guy. At yeah. The, uh, the, no, the, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's, had, he, he's been around for ages. He's, what, he's in his late 70s now and he's, <laughs> he's still getting on. But... Fantastic songwriter, you know, of the heart. Yes. Um, and I think definitely captures uh, uh, a great wide segment of emotions through his music in yeah. this film. Yeah. You know, um, but also has a good musical sense about it. They're all, you know, quite jazzy numbers, fast, slow, danceable, not danceable, but it all works. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's, it, it's, it's, it definitely drives the movie along. Mm -hmm. um, favourite song? My favourite song. Oh, Go God. on. It'd probably have to be, uh, So You Wanna Be a Boxer. So you wanna be a boxer in the golden ring. Can you punch like a southbound freight train? Tell me just one thing. Can you move anywhere like a hummingbird's wing if you need to? Ooh, Leroy Smith. Leroy Smith. Smith. He's the guy who, uh, I guess, he comes, comes into um, Bugsy's life. And it rescues him when he gets robbed, of course. That's right, because he's then, promising Flouty that he's going to take, it, take her to the uh, take her to the West Coast, oh, to Hollywood, because she's obviously an aspiring so actress and singer, oh. you know, as, as all most people are, all young people are. And he just days. knows she's not going to believe him, no. so he's bummed. And then he gets rescued by Leroy Smith. He gets robbed, but he still gets rescued. And uh, Man About Town, he sees an opportunity, and he says... You look like you could be a boxer, my friend. That's and right. what a great little scene that yeah. is with that song. So you want to be, be a, a boxer. boxer. Oh. So great. And um, the choreography is should not be underestimated too. You think, okay, choreography, it's not that technical. These are children and they are, there's a lot going on there. The mm -hmm. sets are awesome. And considering it was filmed in England, the American ones would get flown over for that as well too. Yeah. You know? it's, it's a big commitment, <laughs> especially back in the mid-70s. You know? um, going back to that, that Guardian article, I did love um, Bayo's recollection on the shooting in the UK. Oh, yes. He ended up going over under some sort of, you know, not fully into it or whatever. And he said it was just hundreds of kids on set. It was a bit of, you know, a manic situation. Uh, but him and, and Jodie Foster hanging out, he said she was a little shy. It was hard to 
come into the situation where everybody's friends. Um, and there were all these New York kids and then there were some English kids around. Uh, apparently they stayed in the same hotel and Scott Bayer's parents and Jodie Foster's parents got like really, really chummy and they became mates. And so they'd always be hanging out throughout the whole filming of this. Um, and then according to Scott Bayer, which I don't know how much you trust this and it's a bit rude to kiss and tell, but he reckons he ended up kissing her um, at the Holiday Inn in Slough, <laughs> in Slough. How do you say that? Slough, I think. Slough? Yeah. S-L-O-U-G-H. Yeah, does everyone know all great romances start at the Hollywood Inn? Yeah, yeah. That's where it all Motel, hotel, Holiday Inn. Well, how that, I'd probably say that relationship has evolved in regards to the politics between what Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster. They're both on different ends of the spectrum. Polar opposites, yeah. One being a uber trumper and the other one being you know quite quite uh, liberal mm-hmm. um but isn't it funny how they all <laughs> it's a, a bit like going back to your high school reunion or your primary oh, school right. reunion yeah. you go in different different uh that's different right ways. you look at you look at some of the child actors like baby face is played by dexter fletcher who you may know from press gang brothers mind. yes i think it was in hotel babylon as well too oh, like basically all the guy Ritchie films yeah well, lockstock two smoking barrels that's right he's in yeah. that as well too yeah. so You've got that. Um, you've got another guy who was who later pl- was in the Bill as well. Like you know, the, the, that's what my grandparents used to watch all the time, and I used to watch by proxy. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so all these recognised familiar faces, and they sort of just cr- they've grown and they've yeah. evolved from there. Yeah. And many of them, you know, sort of fade into obscurity or have just gone and back to. And that's okay. That's fine. Well. It's, that's, that's you the... don't all need to be super successful child stars. If I, I would totally wish I could be in a film like this as a kid, it mm. would be so much fun. It looked like a really fun time filming yeah. it. I think, especially you can. I think it the the, the, the film belies itself in the final scene when they are uh, they're all just throwing <laughs> dancing and cream. They're just throwing cream pies at each other. Really? You can see that they just they just went for hell for leather. They yeah. didn't really care, and that's I think that's the insight into, into that film. That, the rule of every big musical, you need a big final number. That's right. And uh, they did that well, and you end up singing all the way through the credits. It's um it's a really good one. That's it's right. hard to give these ratings because they have such nostalgic value to us. But if you were to give it out of five a score, what do you give it, Jay? Oh gosh. Um, you know, it, it, it is it is a it was a film that really dominated my childhood. It was a staple of my childhood. <laughs> how many times do you think you saw it? Oh gosh. Uh, how many Saturday afternoons did I have when I was a kid? <laughs> Not to divide that by, you know, how many rainy afternoons there were. Um, there's so many factors. I, I think I saw it probably at least about fifty times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know this movie inside out and yeah. as do my siblings, we just quoted for each other all the time. Um, I think uh, and this rating is definitely gonna have a nostalgia tinge to it yeah so this is this is not necessarily like a serious rating we're not talking about the uh the, the writing or the direction or the cinematography no, no. Or that. this is definitely like a nostalgia rating here yeah i think maybe more more serious films later on down the path we might have a bit more serious yeah. this one because this is a nostalgia thing and we chose it from the heart from the heart i'm going to give it five splurge guns out of five. Ooh, that's a lot of cream pie to wipe up mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, geez, what can I give it? You know, I feel the same way. I feel it's, it really rates quite highly. I'd go with a 4.2. 4.2? Four point two, or yeah. getting the 4. decimal soon, aren't we? That's the right. The score is round up. Yeah, seriously, um, if you haven't seen it, like Molly, Molly Meldrum says, do yourself a favour. Do yourself a favour and, yeah. and watch this. And That's not trademarked, right? No, I'm pretty sure it isn't. No. Nah. No. He's all right with it. Ah, oh, he's okay. Molly, don't sue us. No. no. <laughs> don't call us. We'll call okay. you. <laughs> Thank you, Flurry Duggan. I think that just about wraps up our first episode. Um, It's been wild. 
Absolutely insane. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it too. Please join us again. We hope for episode two with, gosh knows what film we'll pick next, but that's so we'll part pick, of the fun. We'll pick a newie, we pick an oldie, we have a chat, and we go from there. Until then. <laughs>